Well, I hope you had a really good Thanksgiving weekend. Anybody eat too much? Sweet potato casserole with marshmallows and those crumble little things on top. If I have an addiction, that might be it at Thanksgiving. Uh, we had a wonderful time. Two of our five kids were home and our son-in-law was there as well and really good. Football game didn't go great yesterday, but there's a few Michigan fans here. Where are you? I know you're here somewhere. Just identify yourselves. We have a special room for you downstairs. Okay, right there. Jake, I see you. Yes, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, before we dig into our main passage today, I want to ask you a question. Two different scenarios, which one you would prefer? Would you prefer to have Jesus in person where you can see him walking alongside you? Or would your preference be to have him living in you where you can't see him, but you also have his presence? How would you respond to that? How do you think most people would respond to that? Better to have Jesus with you in person where you can see him, or better to have him in you, but you can't see him? How do you think most people would respond? I think a lot of folks would respond in a way that were like the early disciples of Jesus, and he gives a very clear answer to that question. He's speaking to them, he's in his early 30s, he's about to go to his death, just hours away from going to the cross. And so he's, he's talking to his disciples and, and they're grieving because they know he's going to die. He keeps on telling them he's gonna die, he's, gonna, he's come as a sacrifice and he's gonna give his life as a ransom for many. And he's going to, then 40 days later, after he comes back from death, he's going to ascend, return to heaven, and they won't see him. And listen to what he says in John chapter 14. In the middle of that dinner in what we call the upper room, here's what he says in John chapter 14. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And then he says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In other words, the relationship is an ending, but it is changing. You're not gonna see me anymore. And they're crushed. But then listen to what he says in John chapter 16. He says, in fact, it is what? Wow, they were like, wait a second here. It's best for you, Jesus said, that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. Who's the advocate? Holy Spirit. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. In other words, Jesus is saying this. He's saying, Right now I'm with you, you see me, you experience me, you can touch me, you can hug me, we can eat together. He goes, but as long as I'm here, the Holy Spirit can come and be with you and in you. But if I go, I'm not gonna leave you as orphans, the relationship isn't over, but it's gonna change. Instead of being able to see me physically and have you with you, it's better, he says, if I go so that the Holy Spirit is not just with you, but lives where? In you. If you're going, ah, that's not the way I answered it. I think I would have preferred to have Jesus in person with me. You're not alone. The disciples would have been like, totally get it. We agree with you. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying this. He's saying, you know what? I can only be in one place at one time. 
If Jesus was in Galilee, he couldn't be in Jerusalem. If he was in Jerusalem, he couldn't be at the Jordan River. He could only be with a certain amount of people. Crowds would pressure against him, but could everybody have a piece of Jesus at the same time? No. So Jesus is saying this. He's saying, you know what? The same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who filled my life and gave me the power to say no to sin and temptations that came knocking at my door is the same Spirit I'm going to send to live in you. The same Holy Spirit that gave me resilience and, and the ability to, to hear the insults or the persecution or the gossip of other people and to say, they don't define my identity. And to live above that is the same Holy Spirit that I'm going to send to you. And the same Holy Spirit who allowed me to overcome my, any fear of death and to overcome death itself is the same spirit who I'm going to send to live in you. He says, it's best for you if I go so that our relationship doesn't end, but it changes, and the change is going to be better. Why is it gonna be better? I want us to talk about that today, but friends, uh, let's just be really clear on this. If whether Christianity is sort of something you're inquiring about or you're newer or you've been around for a while, can we just say, because it's really easy to get this one, Christianity is not a list of rules. It's not what you do or don't do and that defines what it means to be a Christian. Some people think that's it. It's not. Other people think there's it's sort of religion. It's like a list of obligations you're supposed to go through and you check the boxes and jump through the hoops and you do all this kind of stuff. It's also not a self-improvement strategy where you just try to get better as a person and you say, I, I, you know, this is what Christianity is. I'm trying to be better and better every day, a little bit better, and eventually maybe I'll become like Jesus. You say, are those wrong? No, they're not wrong. But it's not the essence of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Being a Christian, a Christ follower, is actually living your life with Jesus inside of you by his Holy Spirit. It's living a Jesus life with his strength and his power that he's with you. When you, this afternoon, go and watch a ball game or you go out for lunch with some friends or you're heading off to school tomorrow, your middle school, elementary school, high school, whatever, going back to college, like two, you know, my, my son today, you're not going alone. You have Jesus going with you. When you go to the rec center, Jesus is with you. When you're driving your car down I-77 or 71 or cross 480, he's gonna be with you. Wherever you are, Jesus wants to, when you receive him into your life, the Christian life is really the life of walking and living with Jesus. Jesus says, that's the best way to live. That's the way I designed you to live, to be in relationship with me. And when I send you my spirit and he lives in you, he goes, that is better than even my being with you physically. That's what Paul talks about in the book of Romans. And we're on our way through this fantastic book, and I'd like you to turn with me to Romans chapter eight. And if you'd like to follow along in your notes, uh, if you go to our website, you'll see it says bulletin right there. You click the bulletin, and immediately you'll see our notes. Or if, you're, if you download the Grace app, you'll see our notes there as well. Continuing this series called Identity Matters, how does the gospel change us, shape our identity, and transform our outlook on life? Let me just say you're welcome. Uh, some of you who are here might not know that uh, about half of the people who are part of the Grace family, you're online. And especially with what's happening with the variant right now, 
Uh, some of you have some health compromises, and we just want to say, and others of you, not just in Northeast Ohio, but in numerous states uh, around the country, hopefully not Michigan, no, I'm just teasing, uh, and in other countries, we're really glad to have you engaging with us today. Before we dig into God's word, let's, let's, uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you uh, for the promise of your word, for the wisdom and the way that it's a light for our feet and a lamp for our path. And Lord, would you just uh, shine on our path today? Help us to understand more what it means to live life with you. Lord, for the Thanksgiving weekend that we just had, um, thank you for the memories created, for the times shared with people we love. Lord, where maybe we went astray or we said things we shouldn't have or uh, we need to just go back to someone and say, yeah, I'm really sorry uh, for what I did, said, acted. Would you forgive me, Lord? Give us strength to do that. Help us to keep short accounts. Lord, as we hear globally about a new um, strain of COVID and, and just the concern. We have numerous people that we know and love who are in the hospital or uh, really suffering from this. We pray, Lord, that you would be so merciful, that you would give strength. And Lord, for those who are in the fields of science and medicine that are doing research, we pray for light to be shed on, in their studies and give them understanding and discernment. Lord, as we now uh, dig into your word. May we understand. Uh, we don't want to be like those of whom the Apostle Paul said, don't, don't you know? Don't you know who you are and what, where God lives in you? Lord, help us to know and to understand and to live like it. In your name we pray. Amen. So Romans chapter 8, going to read the first 11 verses. Uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. Here's what it says. So now there is no, no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. Remember we said it's like an MRI scanner. It, it can diagnose, but it can't help you. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied in us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. and never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never Please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives where? In you. 
And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. He wants to get the point across here. A lot of heavy stuff here, but here's what I want us to do today. I want us to see the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit, why Jesus can say, it's better for you that I don't live with you because it's preferable that I come and and by my spirit that I live actually in you. How can he say that? So if you're looking at your notes, it talks about six benefits or six traits of having the Holy Spirit living within you, directing your life every day. I want to summarize those and just say, so what does it look like to live a spirit-directed life? Let me just say this. It doesn't happen until you invite Jesus Christ to come into your life. You put your trust in him. You say, Jesus, on my own, I'm sunk. I'll never, ever be good enough. I can't make it to heaven on my own. I can't be acceptable to a holy God, but Jesus, what you did on the cross, you did for me. You had, my name, it says, was engraved on the palm of your hand. I invite you to come into my life and to forgive me. And the moment we do that, he says, the spirit of Jesus comes and lives within us. He says in this passage here, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Christ. So in other words, when you put your trust in Christ, he comes and he begins a relationship with you. So what are the, what does it look like? Uh, And then next week, we're going to talk about how do you just live this out? Like, how can you make sure you're living into this kind of spirit-directed life that is really the essence of what the Christian life is all about? Here's how Paul starts. He says, when the Holy Spirit lives in you and directs your life, first of all, you are completely freed from the guilt of your sin. No condemnation is how he starts off. Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the Spirit who gives life has set you what? Free, free. That means he confirms to you the fact that Jesus completely and absolutely wipes out your past. Some of you know what it means to have your record expunged. If you've gone to court, you've been convicted of something, and you are like, if anybody Googles my name or goes to the court docket, they're gonna see that I... And when you have that expungement, it's like it's gone. You know the freedom. Friends, before a holy God, all of us are guilty. We all have a record that is embarrassing and longer than even we know. And he says, when you put your trust in Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, he frees you from that nagging sense of condemnation. When the enemy comes and goes, you really think God could use someone like you after what you've done? If the people at Grace, people around you knew the kind of stuff that you've done in your past, they would never, and the Holy Spirit goes, that's not true. That's not true. There is therefore now no what? Condemnation. You're free. The spirit of Jesus has cleansed you and made you free from any kind of guilt and shame from your past. And so what he does when he comes into your life, you, you can live without your past dragging you down. He reminds you, no condemnation. But it's not just what he does in our past, it's how we live today. This is the second benefit. When the Holy Spirit lives in you and directs your life, you're free to live in a way that pleases God. You don't have to cave into sin. You're not just released from the guilt of the past, it's today that you can live a life that you've lived to please God. Look what Paul writes about this, verse five. He says, those who are 
dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. You see those last words there? The Holy Spirit can change your thinking so that you start to live in a way that pleases God. This past Wednesday, I was talking to a guy here at Grace. He's out in the lobby, and um, so I just went over, and I said, hey, I'm John. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, you know, PJ. I've been here for about six months, and he goes, my life has completely changed. But really, I'd love to hear about it. He goes, oh, my goodness. He goes, I, I, six months ago, someone invited me to Grace. He said, I've been here. And he said, and, and my, I, I was in a place I, I knew I needed to change. And he says, God has been working in me. And he goes, you know what? I, my thinking has changed. I just, the way I think about life and what I want to do. And I, I, I was preparing for my, my message. And I thought, this is exactly what Paul says in Romans 8. I wonder if he knows about Romans 8. And because this guy is describing what Paul writes about, that when the spirit of Jesus comes and lives in you, you begin to think differently. He, take, he shapes your mind. You're renewed in your thinking by God's word and by the Holy Spirit. And he, this guy is telling me, he goes, my, my coworkers notice, my family, he goes, I got baptized a few weeks ago. He said, it's just, I'm, I'm a different person today. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only does he expunge our guilty record no condemnation. He helps us to begin to think differently and to please God. That, that's what it means to be directed by the Holy Spirit, which is tied to a third benefit that you have power to say no to sin. Paul says this in verse 12. He says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature loves or urges you to do or loves to do. You no longer are a slave to sin. That Jesus has destroyed sin's control over us. When you think of Jesus, it says that he was tempted in every way just as we are, yet he was without what? Sin. So he's tempted in every way, but when Jesus comes and lives within us, we now have his power. He says, you no longer are obligated to do what your sinful nature wants you to do. One of my first jobs uh, growing up was working at a restaurant, and I was probably 15 years old, and I was the dishwasher at this place, and I really wanted to do a great job. You know, I was raised with this strong work ethic. And so I go in and I'm gonna call my boss Lenny with all apologies to anybody here who's named Lenny. Uh, there was a guy for the first service came up and says, my name is Lenny. And I said, I am so sorry. Uh, and so Lenny was my boss. And Lenny, uh, he seemed to get an adrenaline rush from yelling at employees. You ever you know any boss you've had like that? And so I was doing, the, going, doing this dishwasher in the you know, back of the restaurant, and uh, he comes back, and he, he looks at me, and he goes, slow down. Look at these glasses here. And they'd gone through the dishwasher, and he found a little like water spot or whatever, and he said I was going too fast. And so I, 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 was, I was like, okay, he says, slow down a little bit. So I slowed down, and the next day, uh, or whenever I was at work next, he comes in, and he, and he yells at me because I was going too slow. And, and you're going too slow. And, and it began this up and down where I thought, I, I can't. And so I, I go home, and my parents see this stress beginning to work out in my life as a 15-year-old. I end up going to the doctor. I was having this thing where I'd like hyperventilate, and, and I couldn't catch my breath. It's not an uncommon thing I found out for people going through stress. But I go home that day, and, and the doctor sort of diagnosed. He goes, do you have a girlfriend? And I said, no. Uh, do you have something else going wrong in life? I said, no. He said, where, where are you facing pressure in your life? So I told him about my job and about Lenny. He goes, that's your issue right there. 
So I go home and my dad had me do something that I've never done in my life since. He says, you're gonna go in today and you're gonna quit your job. It's not worth your health. And so to coach me how to go in to talk to Lenny and go in, I'm super nervous. <laughs> I'm trying to resign my dishwasher job. It was, I had a very bright future. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, I tell him, and he gets sort of upset with me there too, and, I, I, and I walk out. And you know how I felt when I walked out? Oh, man, I was free, right? I was free. Several months later, a couple of buddies go, hey, let's go out for breakfast. And they picked this restaurant, which I don't know what I was thinking to go back there, but uh, I was like, okay. So we go in and I see Lenny across the restaurant and he sees me, sort of glowers at me. But you know what? Suppose Lenny came over and said, Jonathan, get back in the kitchen and, and go slow and then go fast and go slow. <laughs> I could have told him what? You have no authority over me. I am under no obligation to do what you tell me to do. I want you to think of your sinful desires within you right now. And we're gonna call those sinful desires Lenny, all right? You know what Paul is saying here? Listen to what Paul says. He goes, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what Lenny, <laughs> to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives within you and he gives you power to say no to sin. He says, you have no obligation to, you go, what does that look like? You know, you know what the Holy Spirit does? He does what my mom and dad, he gives you the strength and the power to fire your boss, your sinful nature. So that when you're off to work tomorrow and, and someone says, how was your week? And you go, it's pretty good, but you know my, oh my, my father-in-law, that guy is just, that you'll hear the prompt of the Holy Spirit and go, I don't need to gossip. I don't need to shred people when I'm in a conversation about them. I can hold my tongue and say it's not necessary, it's not kind, it has nothing to do with this person, they're not gonna help me solve the issue. Spirit of Jesus, I'm under no obligation to gossip like I used to gossip. Maybe you're driving 480 and someone cuts you off and you just feel anger and the spirit of Jesus says, you don't have to give in to anger. You don't have to let loose. You can just go, I, I, that was a dangerous, that was a close call right there. Lord, let's pray for that person, Lord. Help them to get fired today in their job. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, <laughs> Lord, strengthen them. Help them to, to know you, to drive more carefully. Protect them on the road. You know, you, you, and and you, you can, whatever it is that you feel a pull to do something that you know is dishonoring to Jesus, He's saying here, he's saying, you, you've been set free from obligation to your sinful nature. Why? Because the spirit of Jesus now lives in you. Paul continues on. An additional benefit of letting the Holy Spirit direct your life, and it's this. Number four, you can confidently look forward to your afterlife in heaven. Here's what he says in, in verse 11. He says, just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Know what he's saying? Mortal bodies means your body's gonna die, right? Your body's gonna give out at some point, but he says, he compares my body to Jesus' body. He goes, just as when Jesus died, he's laid out in the tomb, there's no pulse, he's dead, and the spirit of Jesus brought Jesus to life. He goes, the same thing's gonna happen to you, with you that when your body comes to the end and you don't have no pulse, he's gonna give life to your mortal body and you're gonna live forever. If you've been around Grace for a little bit, you'll hear people talk about when I face death, I've got a win-win. I heard a guy say it a few weeks ago, he's facing a medical mountain right now. He's, he's got a diagnosis that 
um, the statistics aren't good. And he knows with God everything is possible, and so we're praying for him and with his family, but he knows that he's, he's got an uncertain future. We all do, right? But he said, I have a win-win. Either I, I get to stay here and have more time with my family and represent Jesus wherever I go, or I'm gonna graduate to heaven, and I'm gonna be in the home that Jesus has been preparing for me and is going to welcome me to that Paul says is better by far. So I got a win-win. The spirit of Jesus, when I put my trust in Christ, he comes into my life and so he gives life to my mortal body. Friends, the same spirit who is at work in Jesus' life is the same spirit at work in you and me. So he, he, he deals with my past. He expunges all the guilt and the shame from my past. In the present, he helps me to please, to live in a way that new thinking, new way of pleasing God, firing my old boss, the sinful nature. And then for the future, he, he, he gives me hope and confidence that as I face death, I, I can't really lose. That's what the Spirit of God does. Paul goes on, he says that when the Holy Spirit lives in you and directs your life, number five, that you have security today as one of God's own children, verse 15. He says, instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba, Father, Dad. Like, there's an intimacy here. There's a closeness in this relationship that when you have the Holy Spirit living within you, he makes you part of a family, and you have a Father in heaven who loves you some of you didn't grow up with the world's model, uh, the you know, uh, model dad. I had a roommate in college who never knew his dad, didn't know who his dad was. My wife, when we got married, you know, it was Father's Day rolling around, and she goes, "It's really hard to buy a Father's Day car when your dad left when you were four, generally forgot your birthday, didn't come to your wedding, missed your graduation." And what do you say to your dad? And uh, or maybe you have a father who's been gone for a while and you just go, I, I, wish, I just wish I could have one more time going out to a ball game with my dad. You know what Paul is telling us here about the Holy Spirit? Verse 16, he says this, the Holy Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. That when you're feeling alone or you think, I just don't, that you're reminded that your identity is first of all that you are loved by God and you are a child of your Father in heaven. The Holy Spirit reminds you of that. That your identity is not what the people at work think about you, not what your family thinks about you, not your identity is determined by the Spirit of Jesus saying and affirming you are one of God's very own children. We're gonna look at that more next week, but let me just mention one more here to get the full picture of a spirit-directed life, and it's this. Number six, you have his constant prayers in times of distress. I, I love verse 26. Here's what Paul says. We don't know what God wants us to pray for. You ever have that? You're like, I don't, I don't know what to pray for. I'm in a crisis, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads with us believers in harmony with God's own will. Is that amazing or what? That you have the Holy Spirit in your life, he helps you in your distress, and he prays for you. 
I want you to think of something right now in your life. You go, this is the top of my prayer list right now. If you're a praying person, even if you're not a praying person, here's what I put at the top of my list. You go, there's something about someone I really love that I am so nervous for right now or there's uh, uh, an anxiety in your life or there's an unfulfilled longing or an unanswered prayer, what would it be for you? Do you know that you're not praying alone about that? That Paul says the Holy Spirit is praying for you. He's praying for you today. Even when you're not praying for yourself, he's, he helps you and he's, he's interceding. He's, he's with the Father praying on your behalf. Do you see why Jesus says it's better rather than me being with you physically where you can see me, it's better that I leave that relationship behind and instead I am not just with you but my invisible spirit lives in you that you can know no condemnation for your past sin that you have a new way of thinking the Holy Spirit helps you to fire the boss you're your old boss of sinful nature, that you have confidence that he's gonna give life to your mortal body and when you die someday, that you have nothing to fear. He assures you that you're one of God's very own children and he's praying for you today. Do you see why Jesus says, it's better that I leave so that you can experience all of this? We're gonna talk more about this next week. How do you live this out? But let me close with this. Imagine that the service ends today, people are walking out, and, and Jesus, you're not sure who it is at first, but this guy walks up, and, and you're like, this, this is Jesus right here. And he's like, hey, you wanna go to Global Grounds? And got there, he gets a Frappuccino. You always wonder what Jesus would drink, and then he says, you wanna grab lunch together? And then he watches the game with you, and tomorrow he goes, hey, I'll... What do you say? Just go to work. We'd just love to, you know, give you strength uh, and whatever, you know, wisdom for whatever task you face or wherever you're heading. And, and he lives the week with you. Imagine that were to happen. Would you, would you live differently? Like the words that come out, would you watch what you say more? The things that, that you, you know, you view on TV or the, your computer, would that change if Jesus is sitting right there next to you? The way that you respond when someone agitates you, you go, all right, Jesus. You know what? You don't have to imagine that because that's not just a fictional kind of scenario. That's what really is happening, right? That he's with you and he's in you, that the spirit of God has come the moment you trusted Jesus and he, and he is with you. He will go to work with you tomorrow and watch a game with you this afternoon and be with you when you're on the computer and all these other things. And he wants you to help he wants to help you to live just like he would live in your shoes, to live a Jesus life. That's what I long for in my life. It's what I long for for you because, friends, that is the Christian life. It's not do's and don'ts. It's not a set of religious obligations, and it's not a self-improvement strategy. It's letting Jesus live his life in you and through you. Let's ask him to do that. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I think of how in Luke chapter 11, you said to your followers, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will my Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So Jesus, based on your word, we're asking today 
for your Holy Spirit to fill us in, in a new and powerful way. To remind us this week that, that we are the temple of God, that you've come to live within us the moment we trusted you. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to have your way. I ask you in my own life, Lord, shape my thoughts, direct my steps, help me to keep you always in view, to know that, that I have the very same power that you gave to Jesus now living in me. I am never ever alone. I thank you for that. The spirit of Jesus, help me to live like it from the moment I leave this room until the day I see you face to face. In your name we pray and everyone said, amen.